0: Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 5 through 12. All right, everybody get a Bible. Kids, share a Bible with somebody. I want you to look at that too. Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12, are they here? Okay, is he in the junior church? Is he in children's church? Okay. All right, kids, let's uh, quietly walk right through here at the door. And you go to class. Ah. Here they come. Come on. <laughs> Okay, Matthew, Matthew 16 verses 5 to 12, and just pay attention here as we read the scripture. And there's a this is an important subject. I hope to bring, as God helps me, two messages on this subject today. And the subject is purging ourselves of religious leaven. Purging ourselves of religious leaven, and I. I hope today to have a message, and then two weeks from now, if, if I was I couldn't remember if I'm having, like I said, Josh speak next week or not. If I am, then it'll be two weeks. If not, it'll be next week. This is an important message. Let's look in here in Matthew 16, verse 5. We'll begin reading. It says, And when his disciples were were come to the other side, they had gone across the lake, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You know... Uh, everywhere you go there's fungus oh that's gross sounding isn't it there might be some between your toes right now you know when I was a teenager I got athletes foot and it was itchy well I didn't know what I had actually I I had some vans these vans see you kids that are wearing vans I was cool like you one time in fact you're wearing the same ones I had maybe you're not cool you know Anyways, I had vans like that when I was a kid, and I remember, I, I, actually, my first pair, my friend gave me some old vans that he had, you know, and it was, okay, now this is different. It was cool for a while there to not wear socks, yeah. but not in Arizona, because after a while, I wore these shoes that were already my friends that he had given me without socks during the summer, and I thought I was awesome, but man, my feet started itching after a while, like toes and like and I'd take off and, and I'd put my foot back in. And it'd still itch. I'm going, man. and I'm like, mom, what's this? You got athlete's foot, you know? She tell me to have this spray. She had to do the spray thing and then wash them. And and so I found out what athlete's foot was. You need to wear socks. My mom told me. By the way, th- all this dramati- dramatizing of my mom is good. That's what I needed. So. Um, you need to wear socks. So I had to wear socks, and I just didn't look that cool. But I guess now you guys got these really cool, really low, low, low ankle socks some of these guys wear. So it looks like they're not wearing socks, and they can still have their vans on. Anyways, I had athletes' foot. That's fungus. Um, you know, there's fungus in a lot of places. You, I was, just this morning, I was walking across the church uh, lawn here, and I noticed on the soil there's like a fungus or some kind of thing growing, some kind of mold on the soil. That grows. In fact, this, this field sometimes you, some of you all on Wednesday nights when we have like a irrigation and in that field, the volleyball field, you're like man, that thing stinks bad. It's because the water is just sitting there and it's not uh, it's not being dr- uh, drunk up by the soil, I guess you could say. or Soaked up by the soil. This side of the soil is a little more porous and there's more roots that drink it up. That side is more dense. And what happens if the water sets a long time, it develops like a uh, like a, a fungus or a back or some kind of mold or something on the on the surface of the soil we've actually before gone and scraped it with a kind of like a de thatcher yeah. thing we've scraped it and scraped it and I've had teenage boys out there raking it up and throwing it away to kind of thatch it to help aerate it and get rid of that get rid of that mold it's nasty that fungus um, <clears throat> then there's people have you know I you can get it in your house, right? Um, probably, I think maybe more in some humid states where they get on the drywall. They might have, they might find mold or some kind of fungus, and they gotta take care of it. And so nobody really likes to have fungus in your body. I know, I know, you need probiotics, and I'm not here to explain the benefits of that. But I know you need a certain amount of that in your body. But you know what I mean. There's some kind that you don't, you don't want it on your foot, itching it. Uh, you, don't want it, you don't want those spores in the air and you're breathing in it, it causing you respiratory problems. Um, you don't want that. And if you're trying to make a very simple, uh, if you're trying to have in the Bible time, if they were trying to have a very simple bread and juice, they didn't want any leaven or they didn't want any fungus in that. Uh, the, the Jews had, for most of their purposes, unleavened bread which was basically, it didn't have leaven. Leaven is, a, leaven is like a fungus. It's, it's a, a yeast, and it causes it to uh, puff up. Many of you know this. And God said, it wasn't that it was immoral to have it, but for most of their wor- worship purposes, they could have it on their own other times, but in the purposes of worship and a certain uh, observance, it was unleavened bread, no questions about it, because God wanted a simple, simple, Bread, and for the uh, I believe in the Lord's table for the for the juice is unfermented juice. It's like saying unleavened, no bacteria, no fungus in it, nothing, nothing uh, uh, fermenting it. I believe God wanted that for the Lord's table, and to just very simple elements. Here, Jesus is concerned about the state of Christianity being altered by leaven, religious leaven. See, if you take dough and then you add your leaven to it, you alter it in a way. If you have the pressed grape, you have grape juice or whatever, and you do whatever processes, sometimes it's sugar and other things and setting and all that, they do their processes to to cause it to be fermented, you're altering it. Well, Jesus wants simple Christianity, unaltered, unleavened. That's what He wants. And here, let's look at this text here. We'll deal with the text and we'll narrow it down to the main concern. Here in this passage, Jesus is concerned that they be not leavened. But the conversation started out with about food. At least that's what the disciples thought. Verse 5 says, when His disciples were come... To the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. So Jesus was on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and He was going to go <clears throat> in, a, in a ship to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with His 12 disciples, so they get in the ship. In fact, they had just performed the feeding of the 5,000 earlier, and then just recently the feeding of the 4,000. Sometimes we don't preach that. I didn't even preach it recently, but it's right there in chapter, at the end of chapter 15. There was another massive feeding, the feeding of the of the 4,000. There was seven loaves And uh, he took seven loaves and fishes and and multiplied it. So Jesus had just multiplied the bread and the fishes, the bread and the fishes twice, this miraculous occasion for large groups of people. So they get in the boat. Jesus said, all right, it's time to leave. We're going to, we have to go to a new spot. They get in the boat and they go. And the disciples are like, oh, all those leftover baskets. We forgot them. They forgot. Remember, I mean, remember the story, like all these 12 baskets. And then I think even at the end of this one, it says there, um, Verse, look at chapter 14, verse 37. They did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men, besides women and children. So apparently, at least on that occasion, they forgot some bread. The seven baskets full. Perhaps some other people got them. Maybe the disciples didn't get their, their take home baggie, you know, from the restaurant. Oh man. You know, so they get in the boat, and they're going, Oh, we forgot the bread. Forgot the bread. So they're going over, and as they're in the boat going, or at least at some point, perhaps it was in the boat, perhaps it was when they got there. At some point, while they're going, the disciples are thinking, yeah, man, bread, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? It's kind of like, wait a minute, guys. You guys were asking, what are you going to eat back in the, when they had the big crowd with the 5,000? they asked, what are you going to eat when you had the other crowd with the 4,000? Now they're in the boat thinking, what are we going to eat? They shouldn't have really been asking themselves, it's like, this is no, they should have known by now, this is no problem. Jesus could find a crumb in the bottom of the boat and be like, you know what, boom, right there, guys. All right, so that should have been the lesson they have learned, but they didn't learn it quite yet. So they're going, what are we going to eat? And, they're thinking, and then Jesus said, hey, guys, listen, beware of the leaven, he says in verse 6. Take heed and beware of the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they're just like, oh. He's, he's getting on us because yeah. he knows that we forgot the bread and he knows we're going to have to go shopping and the Pharisees and Sadducees might have some for sale and we've got to watch out for them. Oh, so they're just thinking about all this stuff. And look what it says in verse uh, 7. They reasoned among themselves saying, "Is because we have taken no bread. And as they're reasoning thinking, yeah, Jesus is telling us we've got to watch out buying bread from the Sadducee market or the Pharisee market as they might have leaven in it. We can't have that. Oh, bread, 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 bread. They're just thinking that, you know. And then Jesus is like, Jesus' thoughts are, you know, food is not an issue. Food is just like, there's more important issues than food. It's not your life more than meat and more than drink and raiment, isn't it? He said, isn't there more important things than food? Some of us are like, no, there's not. <laughs> but there is, Jesus says, there is. And so uh, he, 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 he looks he looks back at him. He knows what they're thinking. He says, guys. Look at his his rebuke of them, verse 8. Jesus perceived, when he perceived what was mowing on in their their brains and probably what they were whispering between each other, he said, "Oh, ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have no bread? Now, I used to not really quite understand this, what he was saying here, but now I understand what he's saying is, why do you guys even worry about food? And then he goes on in the next verse to say, Don't you remember what happened when we had 5,000 people and there was nothing to eat except a little bit of Five loaves and two small fishes. Don't you remember what happened? And don't you remember how many leftovers we had? Yeah, we remember that. Well, don't you remember just what recently happened also with the 4,000 and how many leftovers we had there? Yeah, we remember that. Don't you get what he's saying is, don't you realize that (coughs) with me having, and you and I together, if there's no food around, it's not a problem. I can just make something happen for y'all. That's what he's saying. Don't you realize that I'm not, that's not a big deal to me. Going on a, you know, finding ourselves in the middle of a desert with no food or in the middle of a boat with no food, you're going to be fed. You're with me. Don't you guys realize that by now? We're in the middle of the desert. I fed you and 5,000 besides their family. So he's saying, guys, quit worrying about food. You're always worrying about food. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to be clothed with? What are we going to eat in this case? And he says, I'm not talking about food. There's more to life than food. Verse 11, how is it that you don't understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? And at that point, it was like, bing, light bulb. They're like, oh, yeah. Then the next verse says, understood they how that he bade them, not that they should beware of the this bread, wheat bread, but the leaven, the leaven of, not the leaven of bread, but the leaven of the, the doctrine, that's what He was saying. In other words, finally, the disciples, I'm imagining, and they're in the boat, they said, oh, He's talking about the leaven that comes as a result of their doctrine, the, 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 the permeating effect of their teaching how that their teaching alters the simple thing that He's trying to do in discipling us. See, they were getting doctrine. They were getting doctrine from Jesus. The disciples were. Simple Christianity, right from Jesus. And He says, watch out for the doctrine over here. It will, it's, watch out for their leaven, the effect of their teaching. Will alter the simple Christianity I'm laying out for you, just like the effect of yeast will alter the simple dough that is found when you bake the unleavened bread. Just like fermenting will alter the simple juice of grape of grape juice, so also the leaven, the effect, the fungus in the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That fungus alters the simple Christianity that Jesus has designed. He said, beware of that, of the leaven of the doctrine. Um, So what I've realized today is that in every religious circle, you can have a tendency to become like a Pharisee or Sadducee. You can have a tendency to have this their religious leaven show up all to you in religious circles. Um, the point here today, the principle, is that we need to take heed against religious leaven. We're going to look at what that is. We need to take heed against the religious leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees so that we can maintain simple Christianity like Jesus intended. Um that's, you know, he doesn't have, Christ didn't lay out a complex path for Christianity. He's laid out a very simple path, a very simple thing. It's not easy all the time, but it's simple. So here's what I'd like to do with our time. I want to look, and want us to consider, because he talked about Pharisees and Sadducees. Hmm. So I want to consider their history a little bit and that we find, um, that we find in h- historical books they don't want to consider some things that we an overview of what is said of them in Scripture. And then thirdly, what I'd like to do in particular is look at the effect of their leaven and how we counter that. In other words, the characteristics of their religious attitudes, their religious teaching. What, do, what characterizes their religious ways? Because whatever is characterizing their religious ways can affect us and affect the Christianity that Jesus Christ has laid out for us, we could become Pharisaical, we could become kind of a self-righteous type of people like the Pharisees and Sadducees. We don't want to do that. We want to make, oh, no fungus here. Get that fungus away. And we've got to keep ourselves purified of that. Once you consider the history of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, there's an interesting history, and you don't know, we don't know as much about the Sadducees as we do the Pharisees. So who in the world are we talking about? Let me back up a little bit. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees about 100, 200 years before Christ came about. There one of there was different religious parties in Israel. They weren't the only ones. They were the the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the most powerful ones religious parties, It'd be kind of like religious political groups or, yeah. if you will. It's hard for us to relate with that a little bit. But they were the power most powerful ones in Jesus day, but they weren't the only ones. About 150 to 200 years before Christ came, there in this intertestamental period, there was this thing called... Have you ever heard of the Maccabean Revolt? All right, There's a book called The Maccabees. It's just historical. It's not inspired scripture. But uh, basically what happened was about a couple hundred years before Christ, they had different... There was a Syrian ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes. He was ruthless. In fact... He is prophesied about in the book of Daniel, and the prophecies about him also show him as a type of Antichrist that's still yet to come. That's how bad. He was horrible. He was, he was, he had some dominance over not just Israel, but I think even parts of Egypt and Syria. He was Syrian himself. And um, he came in and he plundered their temple, their beautiful temple that they had. He plundered it, he desecrated it. And he killed a lot of Jews. I there was somewhere I read where he would kill the uh, the Jewish babies and hang them around the necks of their parents and then burn the parents with their dead babies hung around them. I mean this guy was ruth he was horrible Antiochus Epiphanes. So he came in, he was a religious um, uh, he desecrated them religiously and in their and you know politically if you will with their national identity. Well during that time there were certain groups that said, you know, we're not going to let anybody just do that to our temple. We're not going to let anybody just tell us that we can't keep God's law, that we can't worship God, and they fought back. And I'm not, I don't know, although I, don't, I can't tell all the details of the story, but there was different groups that fought back. The Maccabees were the main ones. But during that time, this group who became known as the Pharisees, they came out of that. They were, they were, the, they were ones who also advocated for fighting back to, to restore to restore their original worship, to restore their keeping of the law, because people had forsaken God's law, we're not going to keep it. They wanted to keep it. They wanted the temple back how it should be. They wanted to go back to the ways that God laid out for them with Moses. They were originalists. They were like, they were like, hey, we went to the original, we wouldn't say Christianity, but the original uh, way that God laid out for us religiously as Jews. So the Pharisees were a good thing originally. They're called the separate ones. Pharisee means separate ones. Sadducee means righteous ones. So the Pharisees were very, they'd be kind of like the the ultra-conservatives and the Sadducees became like the liberals. But they did have some things in common. So that's what they did. And they became became very powerful and influential over time. Since that time, they became very powerful and influential. And by the time of Jesus... They were very influential in Jesus' day. And um, they wanted to be be faithful to the law. But here's what happened. Watch this. What started out as a good movement, a good religious movement, that said we want to be faithful to God. We want to be faithful to God's Word. We We want to see God's glory back in our land. They became successful and what shifted was over time a, their, their successful religious movement shifted to being faithful to God, to being, we want to be faithful to, to the, uh, I should say, it shifted from being loyal to God to being loyal to their, to their own, to their own uh, godly leaders. It shifted from being loyal to God's truth to loyal to their traditions that they just established over the time. It shifted from being loyal to uh, and, and interested in God's glory. Eventually, over time, it shifted to becoming interested in their glory and their party and their success of their identity. Hey, look what we've done. Look at these traditions we established. Look at who we are. And it became where they became um, self promoting. What started out okay, it started out good, but it digressed to something very self centered, self glorifying. Exalting their own traditions and their own ways. It's kind of a scary analogy because I've seen that happen in our, in religious circles in ours, in our groups in the last 150 years. Did you know that fundamentalists, we're fundamentalists, we're fundamentalists are primarily a lot of Baptists and there's some Presbyterians and a few Bible churches. Fundamentalists back in the 1900s, you know what they said? We're tired of all these liberals in our colleges. We're tired of these virgin birth denying, uh, deity of christ denying inspiration of the bible denying professors get him out of here and there was this fundamentalist movement it was a good thing in this country it was a good thing and a lot of fundamental a lot of institutions some of the best institutions were started in the last 75 to 100 years in this country religious institutions and we, and we had the separation of the fundamentalists from the modernists and the liberals. We're like, no, we literally believe the Bible. We literally believe in Christ's coming. We literally believe in the, the virgin birth and the salvation by grace. And so we had that in this country. And what happened was, is that became successful. And then they became where their movement became the focus instead of the God that they were loyal to. And instead of seeking God's glory, they seek their own glory. Instead of being loyal to God's truth, it became loyal to, to our tradition. Instead of being faithful to God, it became faithful to the godly elders and leaders that were before them and exalt the old dear doctor so-and-so and this doctor and this pa- great pastor. Wait, 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 we've lost our, we've lost, we've lost the emphasis then. After a while, fundamentalists have gotten to where it became very self-focused, where they don't love God, they love fundamentalism. And that has happened in some, in some corners of it, in some instances. And so we've got to get towards, as a side note, we've got to get to our rank. We need to quit loving ourselves and love the God that has done something for us. So the if you look at the history of the Pharisees, it's really a lesson that we need to take heed against. That was just historically. Now the Sadducees, they really don't know as much about them. During the time of the Maccabees, they more placated. They didn't fight. They were kind of like you had the Pharisees that were more of like the ritualists. The Sadducees were more the, the rationalists. They're more the, you know, the, the, the deep thinkers, apparently. They the Sadducees took the or the the Pharisees took the Bible literally. They believed in God literally said this, this, and this. <clears throat> the Sadducees were not so much. They didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in the existence of angels, the Sadducees. The, the Pharisees had a lot of influence along uh, kind a of more, little more rank and file people. The Sadducees were the rulers, the Sanhedrin. They were like the, the big shot rulers. They were liberal in their religious thinking, but they were, but they were uh, kind of like more, had political influence. All the high priests were Sadducees. Again, they, didn't, they denied a resurrection. That's why later on in the book they come to Jesus to ask Him these goofy questions about somebody dying thinking they kind of cornered Jesus and their logic. So you have Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, they're a little different. They have an interesting history. Um, but one thing they had in common was they both had this self-righteous mentality and they hated Jesus. And they were religious but lost. That's what they had in common, those three things. In particular, what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says Jesus said a lot more to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And here's one of the things. Let me give you some quotes just only out of Matthew 23. Just give you some quotes out of Matthew 23. Matthew 23 is a scathing rebuke of Jesus to the scribes and the Pharisees. Listen to what He said. He called them blind guides. Fools, whited sepulchers which appear clean but underneath are full of dead men's bones. He called them a generation of vipers and serpents and hypocrites and children of them that kill the prophets. Wow! He was very, he was very, I don't know how to say it, tough on the Pharisees. Very tough on them. Because again, they had, Devolved to something that was loyal to God's word to loyal to everything else except, I mean, God's word literally. They would, by the way, in Jesus' day, Pharisees would say, Yes, we believe the Bible, but they also had tradition. And whenever one of them conflicted, they held to tradition. That's what they did. And sometimes that happens with groups. That happens, by the way, with Baptist groups. Any religious groups that get, any religious, this is what I found, just kind of as a bigger picture. I found when I watch any religious group that gets successful, even if it's a non-Christian group, it can tend to become pharisaical and become self-righteous and emphasizing tradition um, and so on. It became, so here's, what's Jesus' concern here? This is a toxic element and he says, we want to avoid that. So here's what I'd like to do with our time is I want to consider the effect of their leaven. That is, descriptions of it and the, how to how for us to counteract that. There's a lot of descriptions. I'm only going to look at four today. Four effects of their leaven. In other words, if somebody gets listening to, in Je- let's just put ourselves in Jesus' day. Somebody kept giving an ear to the Sadducees and Pharisee-type teaching, even though they were a Christian. This is what they would tend to become. This is what the fungus would do to them, the fungus of that teaching. This is what it would do. I'll give you the four that we're going to look at. The effect would be hypocrisy, number one. Secondly, the effect would be emphasizing the outward to the neglect of the inward. Another characteristic would be the effect of being boastful, and another, the fourth, for at least the four that we're going to deal with this morning, would be the effect of, of straining over light issues to the neglect of weighty issues. In other words, emphasizing small things to the neglect of big things. Wow, that would be the effect, those would be characteristics of one who's been affected by the... Religious leaven, the religious attitudes of Pharisees and Sadducees. Now listen to this. This was not just contained to this day. There's like Phariseeism and kind of the... That attitude continues on today. And we still have to fight against that. Let's consider hypocrisy and acting. Look in chapter 6. <clears throat> when Jesus said, beware of their leaven the leaven of their doctrine, here's one characteristic, is that they become permeated with a tendency to to act, to act, to be hypocrites. Hypocrite just simply means an actor. You're pretending. All right, so chapter 6, verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not. Be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Look at chapter 6, verse 16. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, the hypocrites, he didn't mention Pharisee, but we believe if you examine the rest of the Pharisees, see, that's what they did. They do have these Pharisees that like to stand out on the corner and pray in front of people. It's not wrong to pray publicly. We pray, you we'll be asked to pray publicly in some event. We pray here. But this is like the time, this was like when the, sh- the show is on. This is when their religion really, maybe about the only time it works. In public versus private. Um, so they're, they're they're hypocrites. They're actors. Um, it said there's another rebuke. Jesus spoke about the Pharisees where they would kind of befriend a widow and they would make these long prayers and pretend like they, they care for the widow only to devour the widow's house. They were actors. They're pretenders. That's what the word means. Um, now listen. So... The deal is, Jesus said, "Beware of the leaven of Pharisees and Sadducees. Watch out what what happens. Uh, watch out for them, and watch out for the effect of their doctrine, the effect of their ways. Well, that could that that fungus could be growing on me right now. Being an actor, being an actor, and acting one way at church, another way." At home, I'm not saying that you. I'm not saying there's a time for different types of behavior, as far as like you know, maybe maybe being uh, you know. Uh, obviously, we 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 take it differently on most of the time on how we dress when we come here. That's okay. I'm talking about where the attitude is one way at church and the attitude's a whole nother at home. Well, that's what Pharisees were like. I mean, I'm sure the kid of a Pharisee would be like, man, my dad prays awesome in public on the corners of the streets. And all the people go, oh, what a wonderful man. He's so cuddly. And look at his face. He must have been fasting for five weeks. Yes, ma'am, I have been. But no, no, I'd rather not take any of your bread. But then the kid sees his dad or mom go home and and just talk differently, eat different, pig out and everything. And he's an actor. He's a fake. And he talks one way to his kid another way to the people who are watching him, religiously speaking. Boy, we've got to watch out for that, huh? See, this isn't the stage right here. This isn't the stage. This is just Christianity. And uh, we don't need to treat it. See, th- this is the problem. We as Americans, so much of our mind is stage life, yeah, yeah. backstage life. Yeah. We turn on TV, that's the stage. Stage life and then everything else. It's like we need to have no stage life at all. Just everything's just should be the same. The counteracting of this is that we need to be true everywhere. First Peter two one, it says, "Let put away all hypocrisies, all hypocrisies." You got a gig, you got an acting gig, put it all of them away. Put all the hypocrisies away. Some people like to act. And I'm not saying that in and of itself is bad. You know, some people like to do act and plays and they do performances and stuff like that. Okay, fine. That's good for maybe your little job or your little fun thing you do. But that is not good for Christianity. That is not good for my life. It is not good for me to, see, for me to be one way here and another way at church. Talk to my uh, family one way here, another way at church. Uh, be one way at work, another way here. I remember one person they got so upset when they are at this church because there was a guy they saw coming to this church and they said, that guy is way different at work and he is here, and it bothered them, and they're not even in this church anymore because it bothered them so much. He's like, he is not the same guy at work as he is here, Pastor Henry. I'm like, oh, okay. And I kind of got digging his life and I found out a few things about that. So, and we but we can all be hypocrites like that. Well, that's you know what all that is? That's just that's just the fungus of the Pharisees and Sadducees getting to me and growing on me if I'm being a hypocrite. If I'm have two different lives. Like that. So, number, so that's, that's an effect of their leaven. A second effect of their leaven is um, an overemphasis on the outward to the neglect of the inward. Uh, I said an overemphasis on the outward to the neglect of the inward. Right there in chapter 15, we dealt with this where they were so worried. I'm not going to read all of it. I'll just remind you what it says. The Pharisees saw Jesus and His disciples not wash their hands before they ate bread. And there's two things about it. (gasps) He broke the tradition of the elders. And the other thing, the idea was, that's unclean. They didn't wash their hands. They just ate food like that. That is unclean. So the emphasis is, got to have clean hands. They would say, Clean the outside of that platter. Clean the outside of that cup. We want to make sure everybody can see that it's clean. And Jesus said, i see seen your dishes. I see the inside of your dishes. They're dirty. You always have the outside of your cups clean, Pharisees. And you always have the, your hands clean when you eat. But your heart's dirty when you're eating with clean hands. And your cups that you're using, they're actually dirty on this. Jesus is basically saying that you keep everything clean outside and to the neglect of the outside. Jesus never said, "Ah, oh, I want dirty cups. I want dirty plates on the outside. He said, get them both clean. That's what Jesus would emphasize. Um, And so sometimes I realize that we can be like that. Um, We can be like where, hey, I want to make sure everything looks right. Okay, I want to make sure everything looks right too. Uh, I want to make sure everything seems right, looks right, appears right. And then we'll just, we'll be satisfied with that. All right, it looks right, it seems right, it appears right. That's good. I know we got a lot of problems inside, but hey, at least everybody yeah. thinks it looks right, seems like, smells right, sounds right, you know. Um, you know, For it's just, I, for instance, like even things of, I was thinking about this, we can have it to where We dress right, we look right, and we should because man does look on the outward, and we want to say something to him, don't we? I want to look, God says man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks on the heart. It doesn't say man looks on the outward, and that's bad. Man looks on the outward, that's all he can read. All I can read right now is the outward of you. And I mean, if some of you look like you fell off of a truck, and you're just, you're skinned up and everything, I'm going to think you fell off of a truck. You know, if some of you walk like a duck, I'm going to think you're a duck because all I can see is the outward. So it's okay to think, to, to adjust the outward so it could reflect something good, but hopefully it's reflecting something good from the inside. And so, okay, so um, sometimes we get to where we just work on the outward person, the behavior, the words, but never mind the rotten attitude, never mind the, the, the stubborn will, never mind the things like that, never mind the motive. I realize, you know, sometimes we get to where we're like we're having people over. Let's get the house clean. We're all getting the house clean. Jimmy, unload the dishwasher. John, vacuum that. Clean. And we're like. And um, and I realized, wait a second, wait a second. While I'm trying to get everything looking good on the outside, I don't want to have a really bad, rotten attitude. And I don't want to have my kids have a really bad, rotten attitude because what that's going to teach them is, hey, as long as everything looks good, we can have our dirty, rotten, bad attitude inside and be okay. No! I'd rather have a messy house and at least we have a few good attitudes. Because, because God looks on the heart, that's what He cares about most, and the character matters most. And if I, my house isn't caught up with how, if my, you know, I want to have a clean attitude more than I want to have a clean house. So that's how Pharisees were, like, get everything looking good. I mean, they, they, may, be, they may be as hateful as ever, but they had things that looked right. Okay, so that, oh, that's fungus. I don't want that fungus on me. Emphasizing the outward to the neglect of the inward. Paul emphasizing the inner man being renewed. Paul said that he prayed that we'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Um, The scripture emphasizes the heart. So number three, here's another effect of the leaven of Pharisees and Sadducees, and that is being boastful. Being boastful. Luke 18 talks about, we'll just read it briefly here. Luke 18 talks about one boastful Pharisee. And honestly, I don't think anything he said was false. You know, somebody say, it's not bragging if it's true. (laughs) You ever hear people say that? Hey, it's not bragging if it's true. (laughs) I think it's still bragging. If it's not true, then it's a bragging a lie. I mean, so Luke 18, um, Jesus tells a story about, and this is a great little short story. says so much. Two men went up to the te- into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a publican. The publican didn't get too close to the temple. One a Pharisee, the other a publican. Publican is like tax collector. He's despised, perceived as more sinful. Pharisee prayed. Look what it says in chapter 18, verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank Thee. Well, he's starting out good so far. You're thanking God. God, I thank Thee that I am not, as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I, fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. Then the, fair, the, the publican lived standing afar off. He wasn't around the crowd would not lift so much up as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, one guy got saved that day, and it wasn't the Pharisee. Jesus says, verse 14, I tell you, this man went down, the publican, to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself, bragging, shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here is a man boasting, Here is the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You could find little hints of it in the other parts of the gospel. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, particularly the Pharisees, I mean, they believed the Bible. They looked right. They dressed right. They appeared right. They had the outward stuff. And not only did did everything seem right, they told you that. And they bragged about it. And you know what? This guy probably did fast twice a week. And this guy probably, you know, wasn't an extortioner. But he's bragging. And Jesus says, you know, when that guy went and prayed that, God is not impressed with that. God's not impressed with that. Um, we can get to where even as saved Christians, we can, we can subtly boast about what we've done. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. It's a good thing I did this. Good thing I was really such a great Christian here. If, it weren't, if I wasn't, then I wouldn't have had all these great things happen to me. And we can become boastful. And even the Nebuchadnezzar, he got to, I mean, this guy would have, I would have actually been amused watching some of the things Nebuchadnezzar did, but Nebuchadnezzar got to where he saw the great Babylon, and he says, "Is not this great Babylon which I have built, which I have done for my glory. woo this is awesome. Look what I did. Woo. And God said, not impressed. Make him into an make him into an animal. Let him grow like hair, and all of a sudden he was smitten with some con- weird condition. I forgot what it's called, and he was gone in the wilderness for seven years. And God humbled him greatly, and he got saved. I believe at the end of that, but he what he did was he is boasting, and boy, it's easy to boast. You know, I like having we we I, like tonight. We'll probably do what we usually do. We'll give some testimonies, and I think we should give testimonies, but we gotta be careful we don't give a bragamony. I just want to thank the Lord I'm so godly tonight I want to thank God tonight that I'm not in a bar and I don't smoke and drink and chew and go with those that do and I'm glad that I'm not as other sinners are I fast twice a week well you sound like a Pharisee we got to be careful on how we even give a testimony well when here's what we need to do we need to say "By the grace of God I am what I am and say like with the Apostle Paul 1st Corinthians 15:10. Paul said you know what uh, I saw Jesus as after He was resurrected, and boy, that was such a privilege. And, and uh, I'm the least of the apostles, not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yep, not, not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Even when Paul was saying the things he accomplished, he keeps saying, well, just God's grace helped me even work hard. God's grace saved me. God's grace made me an apostle. God's grace even helped me work hard. And so his testimony is in a way to exalt God's grace. And so for us, the alternative to being boastful, we don't want to be like that. I want to bring a lot of emphasis on God's grace. If there's anything good that's come out of your life, say, God enabled me. I'm not sufficient of myself to think anything else of myself. My sufficiency is of God, who hath made me able to do such and such. And so, uh, I don't want to have hypocrisy. I want to put all that away and be true and be genuine, walk in integrity. I don't want to emphasize the outward to the neglect of the inward. I want to, be, uh, I want to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, not just appearance of Him. I don't want to be boastful. We don't want that fungus to infect us as Christians, that Pharisaical fungus, but we want to be people who give credit to God, God's grace on any good thing we are or have done. And then fourthly, of not, this isn't the only character, all the characteristics, but the last one is that Pharisees and Sadducees, particularly the Pharisees, emphasized, they put a they strained over little things to the neglect of big things. And we see that in Matthew uh, 23. Matthew 23. Verse 23 and 24. Jesus is talking about the tendencies of Pharisees, and he says this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ye ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. When I was a kid, my parents got me a little motorcycle small motorcycle and there used to be an open field by our house and I'd ride this motorcycle and I remember that was my first taste of gnats I had a helmet but it was open and I was like and after a while I'm like I got used to gnats just swallow man no big deal I run over to this little mobile station I swallowed some gnats I'm going to buy some candy to kind of you know, get rid of that thing a little soda or whatever fill up my little gas tank for 35 cents and uh now I got used to eating gnats. No big deal eating gnats, but I've seen camels. I don't want to eat a camel. Look at that thing. That thing's huge. What the Pharisees would do was is little things, they'd be like, oh, oh, you just didn't have your shirt just right. Ah, ah, ah. But they but but they would ignore, they would ignore some big thing like, you know, maybe uh, Maybe some person in their family that's neglected and needs love, and maybe a, a, a parent who's sick and nobody's visiting. They wouldn't care about that. They wouldn't bother them. But to be like, I can't believe you had your collar wrong. <laughs> I'm joking on that. Gnat. Jesus said, you guys strain on gnats. That's just a gnat. Just turn the collar around and everything's fine. You know. And you swallow a camel. This is a big issue. Your mom and dad are dying and nobody's visiting them. That's a big issue not the color I'm saying that's what they did and you know we can get like that 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 fungus can affect us in a lot I've seen that happen a lot of different ways in my own life you know sometimes I see just we can think of a bunch of examples but you know um, let me give you one sometimes people as parents and I don't know if it's as much in this church it it may be but I've seen it in parents in general where they do this with their kids get the grades, better get the grades, got to get your education, got to get your education, You got to go to college, what are your, how do your grades, I mean it's like education, 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 everything's about education, everything, you know, it's all about that, now how you're treating girls, eh, how your, your character is, eh, uh, do you have a walk with God, eh, I don't really care Concerned about that as much, wait a second, don't those bigger things, uh, you know, we've told our kids, we don't really care that much about your grades. I mean, we kind of hope they come up a little bit so that, you know, the transcripts are, are decent. But we want their character to be right. I, if my kids fail on some classes, I'm going to try to help them through it. But I don't want them to fail to walk with God. That's a big thing. I don't want them to fail to treat their mom and dad right. That's a big thing. That's a big camel. That's a weighty matter. You messed up on, you're, you're two years behind on algebra? Okay. Well, we're going to try to work through that. We're going to try hard. But I'm going to try harder on getting you to have, on, on your mentality, on your beliefs, on your attitude, on, on what you care about, on do you love God? Do you read your Bible because you're supposed to or because you're in a competition? You know, I want to work on those big things. Um because the Pharisees they strained on gnats but swallowed camels sometimes we get to where I you know this happens sometimes in churches we got to watch ourselves what really makes us sad you know what really makes us sad as a Christian what really makes us dismayed um, it doesn't it hasn't ha- like I said I'm prefacing it I haven't seen much of it in our church occasionally I'll see something like it but but sometimes you get somebody that they are utterly dismayed because Pastor Henry put that color carpet in the nursery I can't believe you did that." And it really, totally, utterly grieves them. And uh, by the way, we can probably change it here pretty soon if it does grieve you. But I mean, I can't. That it's just, that's horrendous. It just bothers me so much. Don't you realize the kids, it's going to affect their eyesight and it's, you know, uh, they just, I've seen people get fussy about something like that. But never shed a tear for a lost soul. What's more things, what should I be most dismayed about? Now I if I'm if I'm only fussy about these things like color of carpet and paint and where that picture was, and those things are the only things that dismay me, but I'm not dismayed about a lost soul. I'm a Pharisee. I'm straining at gnats and swallowing camels. I should be, there's so much out there to break, if you have your eyes open and perceive where people are it should break your heart how people are lost and dying. Those are huge camels. Those are weighty matters out there that we should be crying about. So many people go into hell. I don't have time to be fussy about some of these little things. But if I am, if those are the only things that really work me up and concern me alone, then that's a sign that fungus is growing in my life. So... In contrast to that, I want to put emphasis where Jesus does. In chapter 22, He says the biggest things in the world, to paraphrase it a little bit, Matthew 22 says, Jesus says the biggest things you could do is love God with everything you got and love man like yourself. Loving God and loving man, those are the big two things that all these other commandments hang attached to. Love God, love, love your fellow man, love your neighbor, to put it into Jesus' words. The person next to you, person next door to you. So I want to avoid this. I want to purge myself. Church, we should say if we start seeing any of that fungus growing, we say, "God, purge me of that." I remember when we had a, our shop, um, my dad and I had our shop, and there was a <laughs> this drywall that of one of our bays, the section of drywall it would start to get some mold on it. And because um, we had a little leak in the roof and everything, and you'd see this black mold growing. And so we had respirators, so he was like, put the respirator on go over there. And, and Dad would be like, ah, just get some bleach. So Dad would get some bleach, we'd pr- spray it and something, just spray it and get rid of it, you know. And then after a while, it would come back, and so we just have to keep, just kill that bleach and then eventually I think they fixed the roof and the Sandoval's when they were at that shop. Fixed the roof and then did the drywall and everything. But that drywall reminds me of, do you you have any, my question is, do you see any fungus growing of this type of attitude? Do you see any of that growing in you? Do we see any of that? The hypocrisy? Is that fungus growing, starting to grow a little bit? Do we see any of the This boastfulness or this straining at a gnat, swallowing a camel, that's fungus. That's pharisaical fungus. That's leaven. Kill it. Bleach it with God's Word. Let's prowl for prayer.